You see it every day. The first dollar you earn from your first customer. Now it hangs on your wall at headquarters. A reminder of where you started and the promise of what's still to come. In part because you rely on Sandy Spring Bank to help you make the right choices on real estate and equipment loans, treasury management, and commercial services. We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about your business. Visit sandyspringbank.com business. Credit products offered by Sandy Spring Bank. Booster Breakaway fans, welcome to a special Thursday night slash Friday morning recording of Booster's Breakaway on the night of the New York Rangers opener where we defeated the Islanders in the slash fish sticks five to three. Greg, say hello. It's so late. Oh no, the Nationals are going to make this a ball game. Oh no, no. See, we're always giving a time frame for our listeners of when we're recording. They always know when we record. You know that, right? Uh, yeah. Yep, yep. Chris Heisey just hit a two-run homer. It's now four to three. This is this is good. This is great. Grand. This is wonderful. Well, so welcome to your official New York Ranger podcast. The season has been underway. I unfortunately missed a lot of the first game, if not all of it, on a flight back from Vegas. So there's that. I'm sure we'll talk about Vegas later a little bit, um, Greg. But you had the ability to watch the entirety of this game and. Everyone in my body is jealous, so I will be, as always, making you the analyst today. Ah, yes, we. We did you just respond in French? I did. I'm okay. very tired. Okay, so to make uh to make things obvious here, Greg is calling in. He is not in the podcast studio today since we were recording very late. So this will be a quick hitting instant analysis Rangers pod for the opening. You could tell actually tell how excited Greg is to be here. I mean, I, I was more excited like an hour and 20 minutes ago when I thought you would be home and we would be recording at around 10 o'clock. Right. But, you know, Greg, uh, I did, don't control my fate that way. I had to wait for a taxi along with someone else's luggage that was not mine. Uh-huh. Likely uh-huh. excuse. I've heard this before. Yeah, when? When? When have I said this before? All right. Let's get, let's get right into it. Uh, I would say starting the – since the Rangers have uh, lost to the Islanders – Every single game last year, starting this year on the right foot mm-hmm. feels quite good this time around. Yeah, it feels pretty good. It was, it was, uh, except for the five minutes at the beginning of the third period when the Rangers were doing their usual uh, classic Ranger hockey moves. Just yeah, just I don't even know how to. I mean, the second goal that the Rangers let up was just Book. Uh, Book was being a little reckless with the puck in the offensive zone trying to do too much with too little but then just Dan Girardi doing Dan Girardi things and leaving his feet when he doesn't have to leave his feet letting his man buy him and basically giving Clutterbuck a free shot at Henrik was just it was everything you feared the Rangers defense would be in a 10 second clip it was bad it was poor so, so what you're saying is already Dan Girardi is showing his his strengths as a player. Yeah, the thing is, Girardi looked – I don't want to say Girardi looked good in the first two periods. I would say you didn't notice Girardi on the ice in the first two periods, which is about 
as positive as you can get about Dan Girardi. Like, usually when you notice Dan Girardi, it's because he's not doing things. So the fact that you didn't notice him too much in the first period and you weren't, your eyes weren't fixated on him, just watching him like a hawk was actually a positive. And a lot of that was McDonough was playing really well and doing a lot on his own. And part of that was Dan Girardi was just not his own worst enemy, which might be the key to his success this year. As long as he isn't getting in his own way and making mental mistakes like he did in the third period, Dan Girardi might be fine, maybe, possibly. But then you see what he does in the third period. Maybe probably is is strong. It's a strong thing to say there. Yeah, but then you see what he – you know, well, you didn't see it, but I didn't. Unfortunately, his defending his defending on that second goal in the third period was just—it was bad. It was it was as bad as you could imagine it being, and it was just—you know—you fear that that's going to be what Dan Girardi is all season. But who knows? Who knows? Maybe I don't. I I, I don't know. I'm tired of talking about Dan Girardi. Is really what it is, just because there are only so many ways you can say the same thing about the same player, and having it trying to sound new. Uh, and, but, you know, maybe obviously Girardi is not going to be a first pairing defender all season. When Klein comes back healthy, Girardi will go further down the pecking order. But in this first, you know, Dan Girardi did not cost the Rangers the game today, which is a positive. So in its I, own right. I do want to make a, a, a side note here. If you were on a flight, a Delta flight that you have to pay $50 for Wi-Fi and you don't have that kind of money, you can just use Google for some reason. They still let you search on Google for some reason on Wi-Fi, and Google will send you updates on the game. So that's nice. Now, uh, I, I have a potentially dumb question for you. Shoot. How does accessing Wi-Fi work on an airplane? Because isn't your phone supposed to be on airplane mode, or is airplane mode a myth? This is a dumb question, and um, airplane mode is a real thing, but that means you can't like text or use data on the phone. So now they have Wi-Fi built in on, on planes, but, like, like for example, JetBlue. Shout out to my not sponsors, JetBlue. Um, they will allow you to have free Wi-Fi. So as soon as you go on there, you have Wi-Fi access. But if you fly Delta, they give you deals like, hey, if you want to pay $30, you can have Wi-Fi for a minute. Um, so it's really not the best. But you could still somehow like attach to their Wi-Fi and still use Google. Pretty weird. But I was able to get the Ranger updates from there. Huh. Without paying. Learn something new every day. Yeah. Learn um, something new every day. So I did want to talk about a little bit about the uh, the Z-Bad line that you were telling me about on the way over here. You were telling, saying it was mu- oh. maybe one of the most dynamic lines we've had in the last five years. Oh, it just everything about it. It was so smooth. And I, I, outside of the booth pass that led to the second goal by Clutterbuck, um, that line was easily the most entertaining line on the ice and the most dynamic line at full strength. It's just the pass Book makes on the Chris Grider goal. The breakaway is, goal, I did see. That was absolutely beautiful. Uh, it's, it's beautiful. Like, a player with Book's experience and his age should not be making those kind of plays. But he saw Kreider cross ice from his defensive zone to the attacking blue line and just hit him in stride. Kreider was able to use his speed. I don't know really what Halak was doing on that play. I guess Halak just didn't want to try and poke check the puck away, but uh, it was it was beautiful. And before I go further into that, did 
Dave Roberts really just bring Kaylee Jensen in for the <laughs> nine out save? Nine out save, did you say? It's the bottom of the seventh and there's nobody out and Kenley Jensen's in the game. And and the Dodgers are up four three, is what you're saying? Yeah, with a man with a t I mean, at the same time, all right, we're going really this is a Ranger podcast. Yeah, this is a Ranger podcast. I am all for I am all for managers using their best reliever in the most important situations of ball games. And it's very possible that this seventh inning for the Dodgers is going to be more important than their ninth inning. It's just really weird to actually see this happen. So, like, something we've we've clamored for for years, and when it's happened, we're all like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> huh? Right, 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 right. All right, yeah. but back to, back to the um, to, CMB to, line. All right, well, let me ask this question. Was, is this finally the year for yeah. Chris Kreider? Dude, it might be. Uh, and I say that knowing full well that I've been the one on this podcast just harping on his inconsistency since day one. You really have. But here's, here's the thing. Kreider looked motivated tonight. Kreider looked like a powerhouse on the offensive end. And as the game went along, his play got better, which is not usually something you say about Chris Kreider. Usually – Kreider comes out of the gates real hot in the first 20 minutes. Comes out like a goddamn and fireball, the game... and then he just, like, kindles. <laughs> right, and he kind of fades. But in this one, he got stronger. The pass that Kreider made – so Kreider's goal is beautiful, but maybe the most impressive play Kreider made was his backhand pass to Peary on the power play late in the third period to make it 4-2. It was – The no-look? Kreider – it was Kreider drawing the attention of – the Islanders' defense on the power play because the Islanders should think of Kreider as the number one playmaker in that situation. And what does Kreider do? Instead of trying to force a shot through two defenders, he works the puck backwards to a wide-open Brandon Peary who snipes it from the point and makes it a 4-2 game. That's the kind of play that makes you think that Chris Kreider is ready to finally make that jump. And if Kreider makes that jump offensively, the oh. Rangers are oh, going to be in a it, place that we have not seen this team before. It's game time. Well, they're in a place right now I feel like we haven't seen them in the last five years. Obviously, they're those those two teams that ran to the – oh, my God. I have a text on notifications on. What's wrong with me? Obviously, uh, those teams that went to the Stanley Cup final and the Easter Conference finals were great teams, but they didn't have the offensive firepower that this team has. Obviously, they no, had better, better is, defense. It is complete overreaction theater to just one game, but this one game looked – incredible for Kreider and if Kreider can put together games like the like Saturday is going to be very important for the Rangers because we're going to see just exactly how they respond from this first win and what they can do in St. Louis but look if Kreider plays the way he did tonight there's literally no reason to think 65 plus points is impossible which is crazy I understand that's crazy it's one game it was a very good game for Kreider and we've seen him had very good games before, but I don't think we've ever seen Chris Kreider on the line with the players he has around him with, with Mika good, and With Pavel. good chemistry with them. So here, here's my next that, question. That line was remarkable. Here's my next question. and um, Maybe not a question, more of an observation. So we would say offensively that this is Zook's team, correct? Or, uh, or would we say that this is Na know, still Nash's team? With the way the lines are constructed, I don't think this is anyone's team, per se. Okay. It's so, e it's so evenly balanced, I think, which is a good thing. It's, last year, the Rangers, if Zook didn't score, they would struggle. And the year before that, if Nash didn't score, they would struggle. But this year, 
just look at tonight. They had five different goal scorers. Miller, Peary, Kreider. Um, oh, Grabner. Grabner, I got you. I got you right here. Grabner. Gra- 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 Grabner had the first goal of the year, as we all predicted. I'm here to save you, my friend. Uh, and then... And then who had the it's, second it's P- goal? Peary, Kreider, M- Miller, Zuccarello, Grabner. Okay, there we go. Yep. Oh yeah, Zook. Zook scored off a random deflection. Yeah, off a, uh, off, a off a puck. I mean, off, right. off, I, I mean, off, off a that. skate. My bad. Might be. Might be. Might be. Um. So yeah, that I'm. But yeah, like I don't. It, this is the first time I can think of in the last four or five years where. The range, I'm, I'm not going to every game saying the Rangers need X from this guy or else we're going to struggle. I think it's obviously, honestly a situation where any line can step up at any time and be the most impactful line and see the most high time. Well, Mika Z already looks like he's a blue shirt for the next five years. Like, I, I know, like, I already want this guy, I already well, want this they, guy around. They're going to have to sign him and he's going to... If he keeps playing the way he's playing, he's going to make a boatload of money, a too. A boatload. Um, but he was involved in everything. He drew With three penalties. Things. He drew three penalties, two assists. It seemed like every scoring opportunity the Rangers had, Mika was involved with. Which makes me think, what the fuck were the Senators thinking? I think, what, I, here's, what, here's what they, they thinking? were thinking. We, this kid's pretty good. If he turns out to be better than we actually think he is, we can't pay him. We'll just get Broussard instead. Unreal. I And it's just not – well, because you have to remember, not only did the Rangers get Mika in that deal, they got a second-round pick. That's crazy. <laughs> they, traded, they traded Broussard in a seventh. So, I mean, again, like we're overreacting. It's one game, but, that, time through but this one is game. literally overreaction but podcast. Like I'm probably – I might title as that. it that. As it stands right now, um, Zibanejad – is the better player, and the Rangers got the better draft pick. So, I that trade may go down as up there with the Scotty Gomez for McDonough trade in terms of just lopsidedness for the Rangers. We've definitely won that one. Uh, it's really good to beat the Halak curse. Obviously, he's beaten Lundqvist eight of the last eight times before tonight, so it's good to get off, that, off our backs. Uh, that's a ridiculous stat that I... Never want to say again when I don't have to because it's over. Um, there you go. Was, was there any other players that stood out to you tonight? And I know you you texted me right before we got on saying, you know, if Holden is our, our leader in time of ice for defense, we got some problems. Well, yeah, I don't really know what that was about. I don't quite understand how Holden was on the ice so much more than the other defenders. It, it was one of those things where, I personally didn't notice it while watching the game. It wasn't like during the game as it was going on, I was sitting there thinking to myself like, man, Nick Holden's on the ice a whole lot. What is this? It was one of those things where after the fact, you look back and reflect on the time of ice right. um, numbers and all of a sudden Nick Holden through at least the first two periods was the – Ranger defender on the ice the most. I don't know. He ended up. I, think part I, of that I, I was, have it here. He ended up at 22 minutes, and Ryan McDonough ended up at 23:11. Yeah, one and two. I just. I would not have. I would not have expected Nick Holden to see that much ice time tonight. Um, part of it was he was getting some PK minutes, and part of it was I think, you know, Holden didn't have a great game, so the Islanders seem to have always been rushing the net when Holden was on the ice, which means he got trapped a little bit. So I think that was part of it, but. 
it wasn't great. I mean, it didn't stand out. I don't think um, the partnership of Saul and Holden was necessarily good. But again, the Rangers are going to have to make something out of nothing. I actually like what Brady Shea did tonight. He was dynamic offensively, and he didn't give up anything defensively in my mind. That was encouraging to see, especially after his rough uh, preseason. Adam Clendenning kind of blended in, which, again, not the worst thing not in the, the world. Worst. No, he it could be worse. He didn't, he didn't seem overmatched at any point in time, which was encouraging. Um, he also didn't seem to be a factor. The best power play chances the Rangers got, Clendenning wasn't on the ice. Um, but at the same time, Brandon Perry can't come out of this lineup. He was one of the best players on the power play. The the two chances uh, at the end of the first period when the Rangers had 30 seconds on the power play before the end of the period, uh, they ran out Peary, Book, Mika, Kreider, and McDonough. And it was the best 30 seconds of power play time I've seen the Rangers have in three years. And that is no exaggeration. And then, of course, Peary drilled home the power play goal in the third period on a beautiful pass from Kreider. I, I don't know how you take you, – you can't take Peary out of this lineup and you can't take Peary off the power play unit. He's, he was just that good. So I think you you got to find a way to keep him in the lineup one way or the other. And if it – he didn't seem overmatched on the fourth line. Again, the fourth line, uh, Peary got the primary assist on the Grabner goal. So I don't think Peary was overmatched as a center. And I think that fourth line, as it's built right now, man, that's a that's, that's a very a, good third line very for dangerous, most teams. Yeah, very dangerous fourth line. Like just looking at it, I'm like, man, this, we have a lot of firepower. Which brings me kind of to my next question: What was your reaction to the 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 Nash uh, VZ line? VZ was noticeable. Um, he he had a good game. He he took some hits early on, as if like a welcome to the league kind of initiation, but. Nash played well in his own right as well. He didn't have a scoring chance in this game, but that's that's man, Nash. Nash that's was, been Nash the last two years. He's been an amazing two way defender that can't score. <laughs> two way, I mean two way to uh, two way yeah, wingman. Yeah, but in in this in this game, they're really like that line didn't really have a pure scoring opportunity. I think VZ made a couple on his own, but looking back on the game, I can't recall a moment where that line um, had a golden opportunity on the doorstep. It seems like every scoring opportunity, great scoring opportunity the Rangers were getting was the Mika, Pavel, and Kreider line. It seemed like every great even strength opportunity they had was coming through that line. And then, of course, the first goal came through the Peary line, and that was just pure speed in transition that led to that goal. Um, well, I the think... second line, Zook's line was Zook's line was good as well. But again, even then, Zook's goal came when Mika was still on the ice in the middle of a change. Uh, but yeah, the third line and VC had a couple nice shot attempts in the first period. After that, kind of that line was definitely out there. They were definitely playing good defense. But I I, I can't recall a, a moment where I said, "Oh man, I can't believe Nash didn't capitalize on that opportunity." He just didn't have any. Yeah, no, totally. But he didn't sense. need any. Like we're talking, 
We're talking about a game where the Rangers scored five goals and Rick Nash didn't have a single scoring opportunity. No, I'm, That's I, a good problem to have. I'm very excited for this team because it feels like everyone's going to share a lot of ice time and this will keep our team rested. Like, we don't have to overplay our top two or three lines. Like, we can easily play each line 13 to 16 minutes a night and, and be like, oh, we're in this game. We now live in a world where Daniel Murphy is getting intentionally walked to get to Anthony Rendon. What is this life? <laughs> All right. Well, that's enough, uh, I think, Ranger analysis tonight. I, like I just said, I'm very excited for this team. Uh, I do want to talk oh, about Well, I mean, we, okay. shouldn't, we shouldn't break down this game without saying uh, Hank is Hank. And we should all remember that Hank is Hank. He made some on-his-head saves where the Rangers defense was just letting him down. Um, in the first couple periods. Like, it was 2 nothing after 2. Yeah. But Hank made some incredible saves to make sure it was 2 nothing after 2. And it's just important to remember that if the Rangers are going to make a deep run and this is going to be the defense that's going to be in front of Lundqvist, he's going to have to play like this almost every night if the Rangers want to win. Because it's going to be a situation where the key for the Rangers every night is that their offense simply outscores their defense. And tonight was a night like that where the offense did um, and Hank came up big in certain situations, which is how they did. Right. No, yeah, of course. We, we, we've said that all offseason is going to be tough for Hank. He faced the most dangerous shots in the playoff last year of any goalie. And, and, uh, and this is exactly the reason why we didn't want Hank playing in the World Cup of Hockey because we didn't want him getting hurt because I can't imagine what the scenario would have been tonight if Hank wasn't in goal. Oh, it would have been a lot of, uh, I don't know a lot of tears and a lot of... Uh, I'm, I'm very excited now. I'd be the exact opposite. I mean, if the over-under and total goals scored by both teams combined without Hank in that game, if you set it at nine, I probably would have been comfortable taking the over. And you're and you're a betting man who wins a lot, so I I'm, I trust you. I, I, well, I don't win a lot. <laughs> oh, you got sure. the joke so there, far, Gregory. Got the joke. Um, yeah, I've won, I've won four bets so far this week, and I guarantee you I've made more than ten. Speaking so, of betting, not a good week for the Las, Las Vegas. I, I, we, you and I had a little bit of a, not an argument, but you called me a bitch. I would say I, uh, I split, yeah. I, I split you, some you sevens. You would say that and, because those were my exact words. Yes, yeah, exact words. I split some sevens uh, in Vegas when my my dealer was showing a three, and uh, I I blackjack. We should say I, I blackjack. I, blackjack. I got to ten on each one. Then I doubled down on each one. Hit hit twenty one and twenty. Won the bet. And I, I went up $160, and at that point in time, I decided it was time to stop playing. And you say that's a bitch move. <laughs> that's a bitch move. What are you doing? Like, so, okay, how, many, how much money was down in front of you before that hand? Like, how much money did you have in front of you? Uh, like 50 bucks. Okay. Yeah. So, you like still would have had, what was the minimum on the table? I think it was 15 it was a fifteen dollar table. You 15. had fifty bucks in front of you. You won one hundred sixty. Something like that. It was around there. I, I was up one hundred sixty after that. Yeah. It, it would have been it would have been less of a bitch move if you just took the chips you won and put them in your pocket, and then kept playing with the fifty in front of you. Okay. Just to see if your hot hand would continue. No, you said you, you said got, to me like in Atlantic. You, sorry, Greg. Go on. Well, no, I'm just saying the fact that you get up after seeing that double down is is blowing my mind. Like, you're on a heater. Just stay on the heater, dude. Where, where are you going? I guess I should have played like, one more. And okay, if I, if I, I won, it. I keep going. But if I once I lose, I'm out. That's that's how I should have been. Sure, yeah. Even, like, it's fine if you – But it, it, I would have even been fine if you pocketed the 160 and just decided, all right, I'm playing with this $50 the rest of the night. We're going from there. That would have been fine. But to get up after that hand is just like, 
It's like saying you hit a walk-off home run in the fourth inning. The game's not over, dude. So you say in Atlantic, so so in Vegas, there's no shoes, and a shoe in in uh, cards like what, six decks, right? Is it six decks? I, I you know, I honestly, I, that sounds right, but I we both could be wrong. Both I've could never be wrong. actually. Uh, Right. Blue Shirts Breakaway, we both could be wrong, is, is literally the title of <laughs> this podcast. It's the, theme, it's, the, it's the theme of our upcoming dual autobiography. I, which, by the way, would be phenomenal. Um, <laughs> it, it, it would have stories. It really would. Uh, so you say that you should stay till the end of a shoe, usually. That's, that's the ethics in, in, in gambling, especially in Atlantic City. Right. Well, actually, my experience is more Mohegan. Uh, if we're going to plug a place to go, we should plug the place we go to That's all true. the time. Brohegan. Um, we have one coming up in December, by the way. It'll be a good time. Brohegan but, 3. Um, yeah, so, so Vegas was a completely different experience for me because there's no shoe. The deck technically gets shuffled every time, and I'm sure they have reasons to do that. You can't count cards, yeah, yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. But it throws me off because – I usually look at the shoe as when I can come in and when I can leave. Um, I don't know if it's proper etiquette per se, but I personally would feel, unless I bust out, I would always feel dirty about leaving a table before um, the shoe is through. I feel like you always have to see the shoe through and then make your decision on leaving the table because at least then you're leaving everyone at your table um, in a same situation, whereas if you leave mid shoe, you kind of throw off the vibe and the rhythm. The, the feng shui, the like you mess up and, the feng shui of the table. Like you yeah. know, like these cards weren't meant for you; they're meant for they were meant for someone else. Oh, they were meant for you. I mean, and then, right. then someone and, else got them. Right, and I know, I know for sure when, like, we're in the middle of a shoe and someone sits down next to me, and all of a sudden on the the first card they see is a ten. I usually do look over and go, bro, that's my fucking card. <laughs> you owe me. Um, All right. But I hear you. Yeah, yeah, but I think, like, the shoe in my mind is kind of your timekeeper. It allows you – it gives you a clear and open opportunity to walk away from the table because it takes, I don't know, five minutes to recycle the shoe and get everything squared away again. So you have a good amount of time to get up from the table, go somewhere else, go to the bathroom, do whatever you got to do, or you could just walk away and just call it a day. But in Vegas without the shoe, it, it just like the etiquette in my mind is thrown off. Like you really can get up and go whenever you want to, but at the same time, never walk away from yeah. splitting sevens, doubling down and hitting bolts. Looking That's back at absurd. it, looking back at it, I really should have just. You should have played the fifty. You should have played out the fifty. Pocket, the, pocket your wins. I know. And play I would have should have done is just, just play till I lost. At that point, like if no, I lost, because, if I played okay, the next hand and I lost, and then I would have been out. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Or like, you either play until you lose, or you play until your fifties up. I'm fine if you want to just pocket the money you want on that hand. You right. won't get any real argument from me there. I'm a little disappointed you didn't just play through whatever you had in front of you and then make a decision from there. Okay. Because who knows? You could have been up like $500. I could have been. Now yeah. we'll never know. That, that's that's how they get you yourself. with gambling. That's why I walked away. <laughs> All right. I do have one, right. more, one more point about Vegas. If you are on the strip and you are a male in his 20s or early 30s and you are wearing a button down, you will be harassed. I was asked over 170 times if I want to go to the strip club. My favorite, my favorite pitch to me 
is they always look at me and go, is it titty time? Like every five seconds, I walk around the corner. Some some guy I'm like, hey guys, you guys ever heard of this thing called the strip club? And I'm like, no, man, I have no idea what that is. Like to the point where I was like with, I was with Sean Wilson who came to visit me. And uh, I was like, no, we're married. Cause he had his ring on and I was like, we're not going to like, they harassed us. They were like, we'll do, we'll give you a limo. We'll give you a bottle of vodka. Like if you buy two drinks, everything's free. I was like, that's just not how free works. So, um, I, I, I was, what, 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 what you're not telling us is how many strip clubs you actually went to, oh, which yeah. I'm sure is over six. This information is not being revealed, but the, well, you do the, you do the sales math there, but it was a ton of people by the, Oh, one last thing. Cause you know how we talk about food, right? I love food. You know, I love food. Yes. The Win Buffet. You if you're in Vegas and you and you choose to go to a buffet that's not the Win, what are you doing? I had quail, chipotle meatloaf, infinite crab legs. Uh, the it was it was a two hour. They do the endless pour where they give you like a bunch of beers or wine or whatever you want for two hours. Our waiter let us stay for four hours. We just bottomless drank for four hours and ate everything. So if you're if you're in if you're in Vegas and you're not eating at the Win, and if you want to see what what I ate at the Win, you can go to my Instagram or Ryan Mead. Um, because I post all food pics on there, but you need to do that. So that's my two cents. I have one more piece of nonsense, gotta, Craig, and I'm gonna let you go to bed. Well, I got well. I actually, I actually got a hot take for oh, you. Oh, I'm ready. That I'm, I'm sure you and I are gonna disagree on. Of course we are. So you mentioned bottomless drinks during your buffet dinner. Yeah. I don't enjoy drinking alcohol. Well, while I'm we've dinner. talked about this, and I or, find it crazy. I it, so my purpose of eating food is not to get drunk. My purpose is to now, I understand that there are certain wines or beverages that go with certain meals, like red wine goes really well with a steak. Um, white wine, I think, is fish. Goes well with fish. That, that's correct. Am I, am I making that up? No, you're not, actually. Um, but, but when a I'm, a when nice I'm eating... A Anyway, go on. Sorry. When I'm, eating, when I'm eating, the only thing I want beverage-wise is something to either clean a taste out of my mouth or just wash something down. And water accomplishes both those things for me. A little, little bit of clean the palate. I don't need – yeah. I, I, when I'm having a beer, mm-hmm. and we, I made my opinions on beer perfectly clear. Um, right. You, need to, you were forced just, to drink it. I drink it <laughs> – well, I, yeah, I, I, drink it, I drink it for what beer does. I don't drink it for the taste. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm never – when I'm eating dinner, I just, I just want a water. I don't. I don't want any kind of flavored beverage. I just. I just want my water. But, but Greg, when, when you're to, in Vegas and they let you drink for four hours for for like I think it was oh, eighteen dollars. No, I when I, when I was in Vegas, I was drinking uh, beer if it was cheap whenever I could get it because when you go to the club and you order a Long Island iced tea and it's twenty eight dollars. Yeah. Uh, Kill me, please. <laughs> right. No, I'm. I'm not saying Vegas dinner drinking i would have i i did dinner drink in vegas uh while i was there for my buddy's wedding but if i'm at just dinner here in savannah or anywhere in new york or just enjoying food with friends that where the purpose of the night is not to get messed up and you're just out to eat i'm not ordering an alcoholic beverage with dinner i don't want it i don't need it I just, I just want a drink of water. See, I like a good, go like my food. I love a good beer with a slice of pizza or a burger. Like to me, like uh, that's just like a, like one of the most appetizing meals. But you like, like we said, we just have like, different opinions this, on beers, Greg. Like, and this, this also goes back to the fact that I don't see beer as a thirst quenching beverage. Like when I'm eating a hamburger and I'm thirsty and I have a sip of beer, it's not going to do anything. 
I'm well, still going to need a sip of water to like quench that thirst that this burger is making me have. I think you hate beer, Greg. <laughs> I, I, think, I, I, I think you actually I hate not, it. I would not characterize, I would not characterize my relationship with beer as a loving relationship. Beer serves a specific purpose in my life and I respect it for that purpose. But when I'm drinking beer, it's not because I'm thirsty. When I'm drinking beer, it's because I'm trying to take my mind to a certain place that I think is going to be enjoyable. Hmm. Okay. That, that's, well, I can't argue with that. What am I supposed to do? Uh, I have one more piece of nonsense for us. Ken, Nail it. Ken Bone, internet superstar of, of presidential, oh uh, presidential debate fame, had an AMA tonight on Reddit. Okay? Stick with me. Now, before, we, before, you, before you even get into that. Okay. Ken Bone, is he, you think he's still the right level of famous where you might be able to get him on the podcast? So I, I have something to admit. Uh, we watched Ken Bowen in the presidential debate. You, 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 reached, you reached out to him, didn't you? I did. And <laughs> I did not hear back from Kenneth Bowen. Uh, and the next day, my dear mother, uh, she reached out to me and she said to me, you should try and get Ken Bowen on your podcast. She's like, she's probably the right amount of famous <laughs> for you to get him on. I was like, no, he's way more famous than us. <laughs> like the guy is like yeah, a, a literal now. internet meme with the top post on Reddit for an AMA. So, uh, but he he's, has some strong he's, – he's, he's, he's past us. He has some strong opinions. He left his Reddit comment history, um, which, by the way, is complete gold if you read it through it. Uh, but someone asked him on this AMA, Greg, is a hot dog a sandwich? Oh, tell me he said yes. He said sandwiches are bread on top, bread on bottom. Hot dogs are side to side with a wraparound. It does not count. I disagree. Ken Bone on Team Rye Guy. Just saying. Yeah, well, here's, here's the thing. At the same time, uh, I have questions about Ken Bone because <laughs> at this point in the election, I really don't know how you can be an undecided voter. I, I don't know. Yep. You, you have to know at this point in time. You are I'm, – I'm talking – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something that might offend some people. I just don't care. You are a different level of stupid if you're still undecided in this election. That's, like, that's fair. And my, You're right because – Ken Bone seems so decidedly intelligent on so many other topics, and yet he can't figure this one out. <laughs> That's not nice. That's not nice. But again, again, we don't like to get political on this podcast because politics suck, especially considering both major party presidential candidates are the fucking worst. Yeah, they but are. But at the same time, if, if on – what day is it? The 13th of October, 2016, three weeks away from Election Day – you don't know who you're voting for. You are some sort of fucking dumb in the head. And you honestly just at this point don't vote. You're not <laughs> just, worth it. You're fucked either way. <laughs> it's not, all right. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you, actually. I thought I would disagree. But at this point, like, you've no, seen, think, you've seen it read so like, much. And this is after the tapes came either, out for both candidates. What the hell is he waiting for? Look, you're either you're either – Full on board and just in bed with Donald Trump. And I think that's just the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Or you're in the other camp where you just don't want to vote for Donald Trump, where I think most rational people are. Um, you you to have to know at this point in time who you're voting for. I, 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 I don't know how you can sit at home and be like, gosh, I really don't know where my vote's going to go. That's ridiculous. <laughs> what does that even mean? What more? What is going to happen the next three weeks that's going to change this, your mind? What could happen that Donald, hasn't happened Donald already? Trump, that's more of my point. Exactly. Like Donald Trump, 
like the only thing Donald Trump hasn't done is kill someone. And <laughs> even then, that wouldn't be as bad as some of the shit he's already done. And he already has, he already came out so, like six months ago and said, I could kill someone right now and I would lose. He said that, Greg. He, uh, and <laughs> the sad thing is, I don't think he'd lose a vote if he did kill someone. No, me In either. fact, he might gain a couple depending on who he killed. Yeah, that's true. If we're, if we're, being, if we're being totally honest. Oh, so, man. again, for someone to be undecided, and Ken Bone, I fucking love you, man. You're great. Also, you provided Ken, me with so much entertainment. Ken, if you want to come on this podcast and defend yourself, I totally, I totally Absolutely. will bring you on. We'll give you full forum. I won't, I won't say a damn word. You can even just go on about hot dogs the entire time. Not a problem. But yes. to be an undecided voter at this point in the election cycle has got to be one of the dumbest things I've ever heard anyone say. And that's my hottest take of the day. There you go. Putting this, it out there. This has been a nice Thursday night podcast. Uh, I hope everyone enjoyed listening to our Ranger recap, which was actually some real analysis and then some absolute nonsense, as we always do here. Um, anything to That's plug before we, we go? We, Greg? Well, we, oh, oh, uh, man, I haven't even I haven't even talked about the Mets today. Um, we can save that for Monday if you'd like. No, I mean the only thing I have to say. So today the qualifying offer came out. It's okay. a, it's going to be seventeen point two million dollars if you Ooh. give someone the qualifying offer. Ooh. I still, I if you're the Mets, I. You give it to you give it to Neil Walker. You have to, right? And just I well, I don't think he takes it. So then just take the draft pick. And if he doesn't take it, I still think the Mets may resign him. So I mean, they're definitely doing it for Yo if he opts out. And I don't know, he he might not because I'm irrational and maybe thinks he really loves New York. Uh, if anyone's willing to dye their hair, Marshall Mathers blonde from the 1990s because the rest of his teammates are doing it. I have a feeling he likes playing in New York. The, he did. Uh, there so is a I rumor going around that he did say goodbye to some Met organization uh, people. Yeah, but uh, that's just the Mets being the Mets, trying to dampen fans' expectations that he's not coming back. Because Danny Allison literally went on record last year and said, guys, we're not resigning Cespedes. It's not going to happen. You think that's and a little bit, of, uh, um, little bit of stay woke? To steal another podcast's terminology, stay woke mentality there? Kind of like conspiracy theory? They're, they're just kind of going out? I think I think Sandy Alderson was being a thousand percent serious when he said Cespedes wasn't coming back last year. Because you know what? Cespedes wasn't supposed to come back last year. It was not supposed to happen. Um, but, yeah, no, I'm just – that's all I wanted to say. If I'm the Mets, I'm giving Neil Walker a qualifying offer despite it being $17.2 million. Just because the odds of him taking it are so small that it's a – it's a draft pick, and you need the draft pick. So I actually have a Mets, that, that a Mets my inquiry. Only, that's my only Mets take. I know I have a serious question for you. Okay. Um, so right. D- David Wright is he ever going to be like on this team for more than than thirty games again? Uh, yeah. I you, think you so. Think, you think like his, this year's kind of like maybe another fluke injury year for David Wright, and maybe like he'll have because what? How many he have? Five more years on his contract right now. Sixty four uh, it, years. It's a few. I don't think it's five. I don't think it's five anymore. I'm making um, it up. So, I think the days of David Wright playing 140 games are gone. But you know, with the proper you think you can do management, I think you can do 120. Okay. Because that that Cause back problem is really never going away. 120, 120. When you think about it, is I think like five out of seven games. So that's, you're getting him two off days a week. That's pretty good. I think you could nail that. I just wanted to see if they. I want to see Captain America back. I kind of miss David Wright as as, as a player. You yeah, know. I mean, the thing that scares you is the herniated disc he had this year in his neck is somewhat related to his spinal stenosis. Oh, for sure. Not, and you can't get rid of those things. They're man. not mutually exclusive. The spinal stenosis isn't going anywhere. 
Um, what I think people forget is they looked at David Wright's year this year and they saw like the 220 batting average and thought he was washed up, but he was still in the high. I think he was like one, he was over 110 in WRC plus. He was still a very effective major league base. He was a major league hitter. He was hitting home runs with nobody on base because that's what the Mets did all year long. They hit home runs with nobody on base. Yep. But to say Wright was washed up is just not understanding sabermetrics. He was he, he was not great defensively, but he hasn't been great defensively for a number of years. He still can hit, and the Mets needed his bat. <laughs> no time more obvious than the, the David Wright. Game. He's one of the best right-handed. He's one of the best right-hand hitters against left-handed pitching in team history, and we got shut out by Madison Bumgarner in the wild card game. You don't think David Wright would have played a significant role in oh, I, that I game? Do. That's, I do. That, that's why I asked the question. Yeah, I had to. I had yeah, to bring it up. I was so, genuinely curious about how you feel about David Wright right now. So I'm not even yeah, like poking fun at you. His days, his days of playing 140 games are gone. I think 120 is the absolute max. And the you know the good thing is. The Mets have T.J. Rivera and Wilmer Flores. They're perfect platoon guys or rotational players to spell David a day. Um, and David will need days. It's that simple. But, yeah, I don't, think, I don't think David's completely washed up. I just think this year was unfortunate. And more than any player in baseball, David needs to take care of his body. It's, it's really that simple. All right. Well, that's enough for this. And it's a shame because he's, okay. <laughs> he's literally going to – he might be – well, I'm just – he – David Wright may go down as the best player in Mets history. And I'm afraid people are going to remember David Wright the last three years where he's been injured all the time and not David Wright from 2005 to 2008 when he was maybe the best player all around in baseball. He was definitely top five along with a, he was incredible. A-Rod, Pujols, and uh, some others during that time. I don't remember. I I think it was 2007 when he had a war of like nine. He yeah. hit 30 bombs. He stole 30 bases. He hit I think close to 330. He had one of the all-time great years by a third baseman in baseball history. And I I, I think people are just going to remember broken back David and not David Wright. That was the face of this franchise and arguably its most successful three-year stretch. Yep. All right. So arguably, arguably, I'm glad I got that take from you. Well, I was actually curious. They didn't. They didn't. Well, they didn't win. A, so the Mets didn't. From 2006 to 2008, the Mets didn't win a ring, and they only went to the playoffs once. Right. So it's crazy to consider that the most successful stretch, when it was probably the 86, 87, 88 Mets that's the most successful stretch. Almost. But possibly. it's also important to remember that the Mets, in their entire history, have only had about three three-year stretches that have been deemed successful. 86 to 88. 1999, 1998 to 2000, and 2006-2008. I can think you could say these last, I think the these only... last two years have been successful. Just saying. Yeah, but we still need, we still need a third year. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Fine. We're only 60 percent, 66% of the way there. They they literally need a third year to make it what it is. But just remember, this was only the second time in Mets history that they've qualified for the playoffs in back to back years. So. All right, all right, Gregory. I got to get out of here because I am. Uh, I need to unwind my life and get back home. Uh, well, I am. Yeah, home, that was a lot more Mets than I was expecting to talk about. It, that's just you, man. I get it. I get it. Uh, yep. We will yep, be yep. back on Tuesday morning to talk about the weekend games of the Rangers versus the Blues. I believe. 
And uh, is there another game? I guess I should check because I'm a good host, right? I guess I can type this in on, on the Google. Yeah, yeah, you might oh, yeah, as well. So, yeah. I'm also just realizing, There's I'm a... realizing now that it's at, it's after midnight and this baseball game's only in the eighth inning. Yeah, I'm about to go and finish watching that too. So it is uh, at the Blues on oh Saturday and Monday night versus the Sharks. I don't know if we will record during that podcast. I mean, during that game, there's a good chance that happens. But uh, if not... Yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm staying up until one o'clock. In oh the no, it's it's, it's a home day. it's a home game for the Sharks, so we might actually just do it. Afterwards. Oh, then we'll record after the game. We'll just do it after the uh, game. All right, sounds good. So we'll we'll be reviewing the Blues and the Sharks coming up on Tuesday morning. Thank you guys for sticking with us. You can follow us at uh, Blue Shirts Break on Twitter, Blue Shirts Breakaway on Instagram. Uh, go to our Facebook where Greg Nuds has very nice write ups on on the team that you can't get anywhere else on Blue Shirts Breakaway Facebook, and uh, go to our website, BlueShirtsBreakaway.com, to purchase a t-shirt and support the podcast. If you'd like to donate to us, hit me up on my email, BlueShirtsBreakawayGmail.com, uh, which you will not, but I love you all anyway, and thank you so much for listening. Greg, anything else? Um, go Dodgers. Go Dodgers. I am officially a chip on, on cocaine. <laughs> you really are, dude. Shout, shout out to that guy for calling me a chip on cocaine. <laughs> Bye-bye, everyone. Doug D. Bye-bye. Bye.